The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. And a pleasant good evening, everybody. Welcome in to another edition as the Bears get ready to meet the Panthers in Carolina. A hot team right now, three-game winning streak with Teddy Bridgewater playing some really good football for the Panthers with a load of weapons that uh, today defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano praised at no end. As I welcome in my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM, Super Bowl Bear Tom Thayer. Did you hear any of that news conference today? Because... Man, Pagano just gushing about the Panthers and really challenging his guys to pay attention to, uh, I guess, the same kind of detail that Matt Nagy's looking for offensively from his guys. Yeah, you know, Chuck Pagano, he see, when you watch this team on tape, you see a lot of window dressing before the play ever starts, and that's a lot of movement in the backfield, a lot of misdirection. Seeing if I can catch a player that's peeking in the backfield rather than following through to my assignments. And then Teddy Bridgewater is not asked to do an abundance of things, but what he does and what that offense does, they do it really well. And they try to stay on schedule so each down fits into the next down's role. So, yeah, I I understand what Chuck is saying, um, and you always respect your next opponent the most, no matter who you play down the road. Exactly. They got speed on the edge. Robbie Anderson, outstanding receiver, really having a great season with uh, Bridgewater, and there's familiarity there because of Matt Rule. He's brought a bunch of his uh, Temple guys in, guys that played at Temple, and he has uh, moved those guys in both offensively and defensively, and D.J. Moore is an outstanding receiver, uh, just a couple of years removed from having a, a really impressive campaign as a young receiver for them. And, you know, Mike Davis, hearing a lot about Mike Davis. We both like Mike Davis. He's a good guy, you know, had a really tough time last year with the death of his father. I think that pretty much sidetracked him quite a bit. Um, and he's talked about that you know, subsequently after he moved over to, to uh, Carolina last November. But, uh, you know, again, you're happy to see guys that are good guys uh, take advantage of opportunities. And with Christian McCaffrey down, he certainly has taken advantage of that opportunity and not just running the ball in a rugged way, but also in the pass receiving game. He's caught 30 of his 33 targets, Tommy. Yeah, you know, he is the template of David Montgomery. And I think if David Montgomery didn't burst onto the scene and be so successful early in the sights and the viewing of the coaches, Mike Davis was probably been the number one running back. But when you found what you had in David Montgomery, you realize that David Montgomery is going to play the role in what you brought Mike Davis here for. But I, I like Mike Davis. So I think if you're looking at these two offenses, you're looking at two running backs that have a lot of similar traits uh, of each other. Hey, coming up on the show, we've got a lot jammed in. We're going to talk to Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers. He'll be coming up shortly to talk about his guys out east. And then we're going to be joined by Deshaun Gibson, playing some good safety for the Bears at the bottom of the hour around 6.30. We'll also hear from Nick Foles, the Bears quarterback, and an interview I did with him as we prepare for Bears game day live on Sunday morning, 10.30 on Fox uh, Chicago, along with Lou Canellis, and an uh, assortment of, of things that uh, we're going to dig into. And I, I want to dig into maybe one of the biggest topics of the week, Tom, is Frank, uh, I almost said Frank, Cole Komet. Cole Komet, the Bears' rookie tight end. And 
people wondering why he isn't getting targets and a lot of attention because of the position coaches talking this week, including uh, the veteran uh, former offensive line coach and tight end coach Clancy Barone, who's asked, what is Komet doing that uh, has his attention right now? If you go back and you look at the very first play from our game Thursday night against the Bucks, okay, the very first play, all right? In fact, when, when the game was over, I came back and I had three text messages on my phone from various NFL coaches, and they were line coaches and tight end coaches. After the game, I had uh, a couple of phone calls on my on my drive home from some of my peers around the league, and they're all talking about the same thing, and it was about the very first play of the game and something that will never show up in any, any box score and we ran that that uh, jet sweep, as you guys probably know. Uh, he had uh, Jason Pierre-Paul in a wide, wide, wide technique, which which we didn't know that he was going to be that wide. We thought maybe he might be more head up, which makes it easier for the tackle to help him. He's out there all by himself. Now, JPP is a real defensive lineman. The guy's got you know pretty good resume. And here comes Cole, and if, if I'm not mistaken, all the draft experts said that was the biggest question mark come out of Notre Dame was his blocking he didn't just reach JPP and and gain leverage. He he strained his hips through the block and actually flipped his hips and gave us a nice a nice seam to go around. I have not seen that from very many players in my in my time in in the NFL. And here comes Cole and does it. So so things like that. I'm just you know and and and, and my my peers around around the league also saw it and it was it was really something special and and uh, things like that tell you that this game is not too big for Cole he's doing very very well and and you know, and, and and we all know that mentally uh, he's he's got everything under under control yeah, which we heard from the beginning Tom but when you hear a position coach talk about his player and the exciting level and tone that he did uh, I, what do you think of that? Because clearly it's 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 a nuance that not everybody's going to catch because he's not catching passes quite just yet. But as a wide tight end, he's got to be that inline guy that's moving people out of the way. Yeah, you know, to me, initially, it's a more important role that Cole Komet is a successful blocker than a pass catcher right now because that's a trait, that's a craft, that's a, a use that they will – you know, they will use out of Cole Komet as, as time winds on. However, if you can't block, you can't play. And it is really um, a, a high compliment when you talk about a defensive personnel that gets completely out of position that's expected of them, but you're able to complete your block legally. So it is encouraging the way he talks about Cole's blocking ability. Um, and then I think eventually you'll see him inserted more in the passing game. And hopefully as conditions deteriorate and the passing game becomes shorter for more efficiency, he'll be involved more. We heard from offensive coordinator Bill Lazor today on why Komet isn't getting those passes. We were better in this pass game, but we're, we're really not completing enough passes as an offense. So when you don't complete enough passes, when you're not uh, converting third downs, you always – answer these questions well then why isn't such and such getting a ball well because we're not completing enough passes and we're not staying on the field that's it's that that's where we are i mean it's it's uh we we completed more percentage this game but offensively you know other than some heroics right to win some games which we're thrilled with i i, I think it's hard to say we've been in a rhythm where you can do what you want to do you know we're, we're not doing what we want to do yet so there's going to be a whole lot of people not getting the ball enough and and uh their feelings, and I, yeah, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. The, the questions about why is this guy or that guy not doing enough? To me, that's all back page to why are not we not good enough on offense right now? 
you know, nothing wrong with coal. What's wrong with us is the problem is us. That's a very honest appraisal there, Tommy. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's the most honest answer we've heard around here in a long time. No, I, I don't. I don't mean that, but it is a really honest answer by Bill Lazor because that's you know what is evident when you look at the lack of third down conversions. You think of how many plays that takes off the shelf and you know Cole he could be used as a first and second down receiver but you're losing him because you're not converting on third down but hey I I like that answer by Bill Lazor and um, I I think it's an honest assessment of what's going on but also an honest assessment where you need to improve to get everybody involved. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy our producer today Rick Kemp good to be with him once again and also Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli for helping us out as well. Coming up next, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon, will join the program. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, and now a look at the Carolina Panthers from the inside out as we welcome in the veteran voice, Mick Mixon, who teams up with former NFL quarterback Jake DeLome and former offensive lineman Jordan Gross on WBT, the flagship station of the Carolina Panthers. And I have a feeling you're in high demand right now. you got a team that's won three in a row. you got an exciting new coaching staff, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, the young gun coordinator. I already think you've been on the score today. So, hey, I hope you don't mind sp- talking about us, you know. No, I'm not like you, Joniak. I don't have a secretary, administrative <laughs> assistants, people you have to go through. I'm just a humble little correspondent here. Just every now and again, I'll be driving down the road, and I'll go, Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. Oh, you're or, a funny guy. Fade you to black, and that's guy. a tribute to you, the legend of Jeff Joniak. Uh-huh. Hey, you know, while we're talking about it, what, what is your uh, signature call, do you think, that sticks with you to this day, that, that fans love? I don't have one. I don't believe in signature <laughs> calls. I'm, and I, all respect to you, to Wayne Larrabee, there's your dagger, to uh, to, to others, you know, Gene Deckerhoff, fire the cannons in Tampa. I, I, don't, I don't believe in it. I'm not on social media. I believe scarcity breeds momentum. I believe in letting the play try to tell me what were choices to make. So that's how we roll down here. I like it. I like it. Tell us about Joe Brady, first and foremost. We know about Matt Rule. Joe Brady at 30, youngest coordinator in the league, obviously trained extremely well. Uh, He's uh, got everybody's attention right now, doesn't he? I think so, Jeff. I think, and Thomas, I think you're you're in there somewhere. Maybe Jeff will let you uh, chime in uh, during our visit. But I think what you got here is a coordinator that has exactly the pedigree that teams are looking for. But I want this message to reverberate around the league. Do not, no one, do not mess with Joe Brady for at least a couple of years until we can season him here, mm-hmm. get into the playoffs, get some confetti raining down on our heads. And then you can talk to Joe Brady about coordinating uh, or being the head coach for your NFL team. But, Jeff, seriously, man, he's got a plan, and it's what everybody's looking for, that fast twitch up-tempo, a lot of college stuff, some of the screen stuff they, they use. And he just is a – I think he's a natural-born play caller. Hey, Mick, has Teddy Bridgewater lived up to expectations or is he exceeding them? 
I think exceeding them, I think in a normal, if this were any kind of normal deal, Tom, he would be a rock star. He would not be able to go get a smoothie. He would not be able to go uh, to the electronic store and pick up some headphones. He would be, he, he would be, his Q rating would be right up there. But because of his understated style outside the building and because of just the total, just the chi, the, the feng shui, the calmness that he plays with, now he's, his, he excites people by getting other people involved in the offense. We had a quarterback here who would like to jump over tall buildings in a single bound and, and that kind of thing. Teddy's more of a point guard, more of a distributor, but he's, he's been phenomenal. Well, what, what about Mike Davis? Are you a stronger team in terms of running the ball after contact with Mike Davis than you would be with Christian McCaffrey? It's a good chance of it, uh, at least at least maybe right up there with Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis, I don't know where he gets it, what switch he throws, what music he listens to to get that mat on right before a game. But it's personal to him every you know, you've seen it, Tom and Jeff. You guys have too. When he was there, every he's just irritated that a tackler would have the temerity to come up to him and try to collide with him. What about um, I, I? God, I don't know how to ask this question because a couple of years ago, Jeff and I were on the sidelines of a Carolina game, and behind us, warming up was Luke Keekley. And as um, enamored as I was with his ability, and just super impressed with how great he is. Can Chin fill the role of Luke Keekley? You're looking at 6'3", 238, 235, as opposed to 6'3", 210-ish type guy wearing 21. So can Chin fill that role, or am I way out of bounds? You're not way out of bounds, but you got one foot out of bounds. Um, he, I, But I, I'm buying kind of what you're selling because Chin is exceptional. I mean, he's the nephew or the cousin, no, let's see, I think he's the nephew of Steve Atwater. And he's he's got violent hands. He's a, he, he's a striker. He's not scared. He can play. He's all over the field, and he's currently the Panthers' tackle leader with 43. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're astute in your observation about what Chin brings. But Mother Nature only gives you one Luke Keekley every several <laughs> right. hundred million births. Right. Uh, just the, the the skills that he had. So I say you got just one foot out of bounds. We got to look at the replay, though. I will say this though, Uncle Steve was a heck of a hitter, and looks like uh, Jeremy yeah. Shin is well out of Southern Illinois, not too far down the road from us, by way of Fishers, Indiana. Our guest is Mick Mixon, voice of the Carolina Panthers, and this is Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Uh, let's take a, a further look at, at your defense right now. The run defense, you know, on paper. You know, the numbers don't stack up, but are, are they better than the numbers show at the moment, or are they, are they having some difficulty in that regard? <laughs> no, we got no chance to slow the Bears down. It's just I just hope we can keep it competitive down here <laughs> and um, just you know extend the broadcast out where people will be interested to hear some of the ads in the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, but um, the problem, Jeff, has been – has been really setting the edge and holding the edge. Teams have been running this crack toss against the Panthers and just outflanking the defense. And then it hasn't been so much that we've been creased up the middle. It's been more uh, been more backs being able to turn the corner. 
you know, bouncing runs. And so the problems, according to our head coach, are fixable, just to being a little bit more gap sound. Uh, Tom could probably coach us up on the old saying in the league where if you try to see too much, you see a little. You try to see a little, do your 111th, you see a lot. And I think those messages are being conveyed somewhere in our, our building, Bank of America Stadium, right now tonight. I know Brian Burns uh, had a concussion in, in your last uh, outing against Atlanta. Uh, he, he was on the practice field today. Don't know what work he did. But uh, if people haven't learned about this young man and what he can do on the edge as a uh, outstanding edge pass rusher who's got that arc and bend to him, uh, if you could – amplify just what he brings to the table and how far his star could rise one day. Bow-legged kid that uh, looks, just see him walking around, he just looks like he wouldn't be that twitchy, but he's got that burst and a lot of juice. Plus he's got that, who was the former Colt, if I'm right on this, that had the spin move, Dwight Freeney. Oh yeah, Dwight Freeney. Uh, who do the 360 thing and get in the backfield. Burns is slippery. And he did. He was at practice today with a helmet, but not, not, not full go, but limited participation in practice. So the Panthers are hoping that uh, the 53 will be able to go out there and run a few laps on Sunday. What's the atmosphere around there, Mick? Is it is it completely the Matt rules, or is it you know you have Ron Rivera in your rearview mirror? He's a defensive minded coach. You bring a high explosive offensive college coach in. You don't have a great deal of time for training camp because of the pandemic. But when you when you are near the the at the um, facility there, is it completely Matt Rule's um, building house organization right now? Let's see, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera. Oh yeah, I remember him. <laughs> um, no, the coach Rivera was fantastic, and his legacy here is secure as one of the all-time great guys, and, you know, it almost worked. He got the Panthers to the Super Bowl in 2015 against a team the Panthers felt like they should have played right off their feet, and that uh, that was a gut punch to lose Super Bowl 50 to Denver, but all credit to the Broncos and their players and staff. But, Tom, that rule has come in, and he ha- everything he has touched around here has turned to precious metal. He's got the gift of humility. He is funny. He listens, he's, uh, but he's tough. He coaches the players hard, and he's got this ability to not coach everybody the same way. He, he, he realizes that certain players need to be cajoled, encouraged. Certain players need to be motivated, maybe coached a little harder. And it reminds me a little bit of some of what I've read about Matt Nagy and, and some, of the, you know, some of the innovative things he's brought to the Bears locker room. Is that fair? Do you guys see any parallels? Absolutely. You know, beginning with uh, just BU and Club Dub, which is the celebration during wins uh, for the Bears, and they've had more of those than not uh, so far in his first three years. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's a very relatable guy, total coaches, uh, players coach, and, and, the, and the guys buy into him, and that's really what the culture has become. It's, it's a buy-in and, and, and this resilience that is really because of the struggles of the offense, and Tom can amplify on this as well, just – you know, their ability to hang in games because of their defense being resilient, that gives them a chance to, and they've had too many close calls. Obviously, they'd like it a little different, but that is the case right now. Mick Mixon, our guest, final moments with the veteran voice of the Carolina Panthers, uh, as we often do. And we got a couple questions left for you, but the, the local guys and not far down the road, East Chicago, Indiana, an eight-year veteran, uh, Kawan Short, out for the year. Kawan uh, was a, certainly a, a terrific player, Purdue, and 
just what he's meant to that organization and, and where he's at right now. Uh, he's a cut above as a guy. Uh, foundation, heart for kids, uh, tremendous locker room guy, and just his shoulder just has not cooperated. So he'll take uh, – he'll create a vacuum when without being able to play, Jeff, that will be difficult to fill. I think the Panthers have other bodies they can slot in. Uh, Derek Brown's played well. You'll enjoy watching him play. Sometimes Derek Brown just grabs – guards and centers and that little regard for their personal safety and just throws them down and then tackles several people and hoping the ball carrier is one of them. But, uh, yeah, we miss KK short. We'll miss, we miss him already being in the interior. And, um, I think it's going to be, I'm, I wish I could see, uh, uh, so you're broadcasting the game from Chicago. Yes, that's, uh, that's our plight here in 2020. Yep. We'll be in, uh, the WBBM studio. You betcha. Well, we've traveled uh, the Panthers radio crew. We we took a van of 10 hours to Tampa, 10 hours back, and then we drove to Atlanta in the same van. So I'm throwing the gauntlet down to a city that, that describes itself as a muscular, robust city. Right. <laughs> so you got to get to some games or else I will have won my personal battle against you. I got you, Mick. Well, we did make it to Detroit uh, without any harm, so we that's have a couple good. more in mind. I know Tom's going to force the issue, that's for sure. Yeah, we got to go. <laughs> hey, Mick, one quick, you know, one quick question. So the Bears uh, have a new offensive guard, left guard this week with the injury to James Daniels, and you guys have an injury on the interior of your defensive line. Um, what do you think about that battle? A little, you know, little notification. You got to go in and play, you know, K short has had some injury issues, but there's, you know, nevertheless, there's going to be a new starter up there. So how do they feel about the replacement and how do they feel about the replacement going against a replacement? I would think in a short little tight window to prepare, the advantage would go to the defensive player. Everything else being equal. I mean, you may have the, one of the seven blocks of granite there in this backup guard, but I would think that the the advantage might be to the defensive side in this instance, especially with a quarterback. I just got done watching the first half of the Tampa Bay game uh, on NFL Game Pass, and I listened to some of uh, the, the Joniak show on the radio. I like doing that, too, to see if I can steal any tidbits. But, um, you know, Foles is amazing. I just don't see – how does he do it? I mean, how does he – because he looked terrible. Uh, he looked like some guy who had won a contest to come out of the stands and try to play quarterback for a couple of those uh, throws. I guess I'm thinking mainly that third down throw in the right flat. Right. Uh, he had some decent stats. Maybe the pick wasn't all his fault. But then he just can flame on. How does he do it? Because he lets things go, man. He lives in the moment. That's his style, and he's always been that way. Uh, as we'll learn, actually, in an interview we're going to be playing here after you uh, – uh, leave us be uh, for the rest of our show, but he uh, he just has a he's always had it ever since high school. He can control some chaos, and so that's 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 the mark of a great NFL mind. Anyway, uh, whatever the town may be is is just forgetting what went wrong, and so you can fix it and move on immediately. Otherwise, you have no chance. Mick, we got to let you go. We got uh, Tashawn Gibson coming up. Good luck on Sunday. Not too much luck, but good luck the rest of the season. And always a pleasure to talk to you. You and everybody stay safe there in Carolina. It's been a joy, guys. Thank you. You guys stay safe as well.
Appreciate all your time. Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Tashawn Gibson, the Bears starting safety. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with you, and we're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Just finished up talking, Tommy, with uh, Mick Mixon, quite the character. He was on with Dan Bernstein this afternoon, <laughs> and so, you know, he should be paid part-time by the score today. Well, I mean, he definitely has an opinion um, of the Bears and of Carolina, and that seems to be a little bit stronger of an opinion of Carolina uh, or any uh, of anything the Bears have done so far. So, well, you know, you hopefully... Know, do- do you think that the the league feels that way similarly about the Bears because of just how they've won? Well, I think they want them to be a finished product at the second to fifth week of the season, and that's not the case. I think it's a case about making sure that you improve weekly they ultimately get to be the best team you can possibly be at the end of the season. So I'm not looking for the Bears to be the best team in the league or the best team they can be at the end of the season right now. So I think there's a lot of improvement yet to come. Well, what do you think about uh, how Matt Nagy every day asked about similarly the the questions about Nick Foles and their relationship and uh, the dynamic between not only head coach quarterback, but in this case play caller and quarterback and just all the moving parts, the gears of this thing, it's its a daily Q&A, and the answers are almost similar because you can only say what you're going to say, and you got to go out there and, and prove it on the field that everybody's got to elevate offensively. We all know in situational football they got to get a heck of a lot better, and they need to score a lot more points. Well, I don't think the issue is Nick Foles. I think the issue is the fact that they don't have an effective um, feared running game. And if you had that element within the offensive side of the ball, you would get more completions. You would have, you would be in more control of the defense instead of you breaking the huddle and fighting what the defense is offering you. You would be in control. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the elements here that, um, kind of gets overlooked and pushed off to Nick Foles. That's not the case. I think Nick is doing everything that's expected of him. And still, you know, Nick is in the learning stages. No matter what you want to say, his past relationships with Bill Lazor and John Filippo and Matt Nagy, he's still installing an offense to himself that some guys are a little bit more familiar with, similar to Teddy Bridgewater. He's, in, he's installing a new offense in his own brain that he hasn't been familiar with the last couple of years, even though I know Joe Brady's there, but it's a, it's a different head coach. It's a different terminology. It's a different group of teammates. So, you know, there's, there's big changes for both of these quarterbacks this weekend. Uh, good news injury-wise, you know, they're pretty much uh... – Full go here health-wise. Deion Bush, the only absentee at practice today, still working through a hamstring injury, but it looks like on special teams, Sherrick McManus will be back. Uh, limited today for Brent Urban, uh, one of the inside rushers. And I, I thought it was interesting listening to Chuck Pagano today too because we've seen some push. We've seen some of his athleticism. Mario Edwards Jr. Got a, got a pat on the back today from Pagano as being one of those guys that are disruptive in it, creating a little bit of opportunity for Khalil Mack to maybe not get as much attention. He's going to get it anyway, but also you're going to start seeing more, I believe. I really do believe this, that that Robert Quinn will crank it up and will have more opportunities uh, to get numbers that become more reflective of his career 
And, of course, Akeem Mix has had a great start to the season. But it sounds like he's very happy with what he's getting from a variety of different people, not just the big the big three. You, you know what? I, I, I like variety. You know, it's really challenging to an offensive lineman because you never get used to the habits of the guy that's playing in front of you because they can be interchangeable bodies up and down the line of scrimmage. You can play Roy Robertson-Harris, Blau Nichols, anywhere you want to. I do think Mario Edwards, Jr., gives you a little bit more in the pass rush ability than Roy Robertson-Harris does. So I do think it's a nice change. If you go down there and you have a first down defense that includes Roy Robb, Barkevius Mingo, and um, James Vauders, you know, a lot of personnel changes can be made effectively. Vauders with his first career sack last week, and the Bears win over Tampa Bay. Joining us now on our phone line is strong safety Deshaun Gibson, the ninth-year man out of Wyoming, counted up to join us tonight. Deshaun, how you feeling, buddy? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, we always appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, kind of take stock of the situation here. Uh, four wins in five, or as Cordero Patterson says, uh, Bears are just trying to go 1-0 this week going to Carolina, but uh, a pretty dynamic bunch of weapons over there in Carolina that the defense is uh, sinking its teeth into. What's your initial observations of what you're going to be walking into in Carolina? You know, I think that they, they have um... – the offense that's very unique. You got a quarterback at the helm who's not a turnover machine. So anytime you got a guy who's not going to jeopardize the game on offense, it always make it challenging for the defense. Uh, no matter how many playmakers you have, if you got a guy who's willing to take check down after check down and take what you give them, it's always challenging in that aspect. And you know they do have weapons on the outside. You know I think that they have probably one of the faster receiving corps. If you um, exclude the Chiefs. You know, obviously they are rarity, but, you know, they have a fast receiving corpse and they like to get those guys in catch and run situations. And the running back is playing good football right now. I mean, he's running a ball at a high level. He's involved in a passing game. I think I've seen a stat saying that he was only behind Alvin Kamara, tied with Alvin Kamara in receptions or something along those lines, which is rare company. Uh, so you got to tip their heads out to him, man. They're doing things that, um, that, that fit their skill set. You know, they're not trying to do things that doesn't work and doesn't fit, trying to uh, force anything. They're just taking what you give them, and it's been working for them. And offense is dynamic as it is. So when you combine that uh, with a with a, with a a team that's not willing to just shoot themselves in the foot, a bend-but-don't-break mentality, um, it, you, you go on a three-game winning streak, which is what they have been doing, man. So you got to take your head off to them. Hey, Tashawn, last week there was a great play in the Tampa Bay Bucks where uh, Roquan Smith lined up in the line of scrimmage and he rushed Tom Brady. But then you fulfilled the backside obligation against the ball that Brady threw the receiver. You were there immediately. There was no gain to the play. Um, and you look at you guys working in tandem from the line of scrimmage to the defensive backfield. Is that something mm-hmm. that you could have done week one against Detroit, or is it just part of the evolution of you and your involvement with this defense? Yeah, I think that the Detroit game plan was we had we, – you know, you bring it in newcomers, and, and uh, it was a weird year as it is to begin with. So I think that um, if you go back to the Detroit game, we ran a lot of two-man and two-high and cover two, more cover two than I think that – uh, uh, a lot of people probably ran being here uh, more cover two than I ran in my life. So I think that um, as, you know, bullets get to flying, you can only get a grasp and understand what guys can do um, to a certain extent in training camp practices. You can't tackle guys. Those are not live periods. Even though you can evaluate guys to a certain extent, it's only so much that you can see those guys doing and when the bullets is flying. And um, to whatever that may be, the Detroit game plan was what it was. And I think as the season has progressed, 
Coach Pagano had, had started to dial it up and, and, and let guys go out there and play their strengths and do things like that. So I would continue to expect, man, that, that you know, there's things that, that Coach Pagano and, and the coaching staff and the defensive staff, uh, they're seeing guys do different things that they probably weren't able to see. And as the season pro- progressed, we know it's a weird year, as I said before. So uh, once the bullets is getting to flying, people are starting to make less mistakes. And, and you know, you started getting back into the groove of football. Now we do the first quarter of the season. So, you know, those errors and those mistakes, uh, fundamental and technique mistakes, it's just going out the window. Now you're getting the uh, guys are starting to settle in and, to, and honing in on their skills and just going back into being the players that they are. So uh, it's just a testament to the trust that Coach Pagano is having in his defense, man, and he's letting guys do more things. And, and hopefully that's continuing to translate to, to good defense and more wins. You know, you talk about trust the coaches are building in you guys. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen both you and Eddie Jackson do a nice job of filling the, your role at or near the linebacker level to support the team when they're running the ball. And you think about the success that Mike Davis has had so far running the ball in place of Christian McCaffrey. When you talk about that trust, is it you trusting your own instincts, how you see the run and evolve in front of you, or is it something that because of the formation on offense, a specific defense called and, and, you, and you fulfill what your role is out of the huddle? Right. I think that's a combination of both, and I think that if you ask Eddie, uh, the same thing. He said the same thing. I think that I trust those guys in front of me. So a lot of these plays are just instinctual. Obviously, you know, God given uh, ability, but at the same time, it's just knowing where to be and when to be and when to be able to take my shots because I know that Khalil is going to be where he needs to be. Akeem is going to be where he needs to be. Roe and Danny is going to be where they need to be. And it's only one place for me to be. And if those guys are doing what they're supposed to, this this run is going to most certainly come back to me right here. And it's 100% my play to make. And I think it's the trust. It's the trust for those guys to say, man, if I if if if, if I stay sound in this A-gap, I know that Gip is coming down. If Bo is coming down, Eddie's coming down. And I think it's a trust. And at the end of the day, it is instinct. Some plays that some plays you just got to go in there and you just got to track the ball and, and make plays. There's been times where you'll see Eddie flash, and he probably wasn't supposed to be there. He shoot a run. You know, it was a great play he made against Indianapolis that forced a, a fourth down. He shot the – no way he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, and it's things like that that um, we told ourselves in, in training camp. Uh, Coach uh, Deshay told us, man, um, he don't want you in this backfield if you're not willing, if you're not willing to be a willing tackler. And, you know, it's kind of like that old-school mindset. He played for the Steelers. So, you know, that those guys' mindset, man, is uh, is a little different than a lot of people. So, you know, that's the mentality. So, you know, coming here, you got to breathe that. I, I, I've just been sworn in, and it's just something that I just, you know, adapted to. Not nothing that I couldn't do. It's just I played with a lot of guys who played in the box. So, my game primarily has been playing deep middle of the field and seeing the ball and trying to go get the ball. And that's what Eddie's been doing his whole career, and he's been effective at it. So now you got two guys like that who's happened to uh, say, you know what, i got to be willing to put my nose here in a box. And, you know, there's two pros, man, two pros, man, that, that that's willing to do that. And, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, and it's just it's a fun time playing back here with these guys. You know, to Sean, Sean Gibson, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. You know, you, you got more you got more mileage on the tires than Eddie. You got a, you're a ball hawk, man. You got 24 career interceptions. So here's a guy who, in this in this game against Carolina back in 17, he he got a scoop and score, and he got a pick six in the same right. game. And those are the type of plays that started to define who Eddie Jackson is. Ball hawk, you know, right. great great playmaker. Yep. So. 
do you sense a little frustration from him because quarterbacks are looking the other way? They're they're not trying to get in his area code too often because they know he's trouble if the ball's in his hands because he's he's a great runner after the catch and and that's the way right. he is. Definitely could play offense. But do you have to like counsel him a little bit? Say, hey, listen, those opportunities because you got twenty four interceptions. That that's not mm-hmm. by accident. Uh, but they'll come. How do you like calm him a little bit about that, if at all? Because I know he he tweeted something out this week uh, about that. You know, no targets, and he wants right. that ball. He wants to crack at that ball. Absolutely, I think that when you make when you make your bones and you pride yourself on this, um, it's tough. And, you know, like I said, man, that's something that's always prided me um, my whole career since entering the league. And it can be frustrating. Absolutely. And, and, and But that's a testament. Uh, you know, it's a testament of the type of player that you are. And, you know, it is frustrating. You know, we talk on the sideline and he come over there and he mentioned it during the game. And like I told him, man, it's just a testament of what you put out there, what you put on tape. The thing about it is um, the less targets he get, the more opportunities I might get. So, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day but you know realistically it's tough to have a guy like that man with that type of skill set that type of talent man and that type of ball that type of ball skill and production this early in his career uh for teams not to get noticed i mean he's been to uh two pro bowls back to back um he's he i don't personally think he get enough justice if you ask me i don't think that he get enough do you look he was left off the top 100 list which is a travesty when you when people mention safeties top safeties uh you always have to see other people saying man what about this guy in chicago and i think it's just i think it's just a slight man i think it's disrespectful but at the end of the day the league know about him and that's why he's not getting as many targets and things like that but at the end of the day those things come and you know like when he had his run in 2018 um you know, when they come, they come in bunches. And that's that, that's been an age-old saying since the beginning of time, and that's the truth. Not every team is going to be scared to throw at 39. And we've talked about that, and he knows that. And when those opportunities present itself, we, myself, the city, the team, the defense, we're more than confident in understanding that he's going to be able to make a play uh, when those times come. But right now, I think that he's – He's not shutting down. He's not in shutdown mode that he got to get a, a make a big play and do these things, man, because he's impacting the game in a bunch of different ways, man. He's he's uh, impacting the game. Um, I think that this year, him in the box compared to watching film from last year, man, he's just more confident down there. And, you know, he might not have the interceptions yet. You know, it's a long season still. But, you know, he's impacting the game in many other ways, man, in some ways that he probably don't even realize that he's doing just by his presence. So I think that he understands that. But at the end of the day, being a ball player, man, he want to get the ball. He prides himself on the ball. And, 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 and you know, th- those plays have come. New York robbed them of one. But, like I said, man, we, we, we got 10 more between me and him for the season, man. We got 11 games to get that happen. So, you know, I'm more than confident that he's going to be able to be satisfied with what he's done this year. You know, Tashawn, during the length of your NFL career, the fundamental tackling by defensive backs has had to change because of the target and where you can hit and how you can hit. What was your sight line for the Kyle Fuller play? I don't know if you saw it in actual time. Or how impressed are you with his ability to fundamentally change the process and hit a guy that legally but that impactful in the game? That probably was the most textbook beautiful hit I've seen. And did I see it live? Absolutely. Um, It just was – he came in and 
it seemed just like it, it, it happened so in such slow motion, but it happened so fast because it was a bang bang play. But it's hard that th- those are the type of things that only willing tacklers you can't teach that man. Like Kyle is a pro, he, he he's a pro's pro, and he's one of the more um, willing tacklers at the corner position that I've ever been around. And I've been around some good cornerbacks. I've seen a lot of good cornerbacks in my time. Um, I have nine years under me, so for I think that for us. Cal is we've seen Cal stick his head in there plenty of times, man. And, and, and you know, make 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 physical runs on, on running backs and, and things like that. So it wasn't as surprising to us, but I mean it was a beautiful tackle, obviously momentum changer. And I think that that probably was the t- the, the play of the game in my opinion. Beyond anything else, I think because at that moment that changed the course of the momentum of the game. We put points on, we 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 added points to the scoreboard due to that play. It just was something that was so huge, man. That that and, and it, the 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 tackle itself, when you watch it on film, it don't do it justice to being there watching that play happen live. I mean, it's just a beautiful tackle. There's nothing to critique about it. I mean, it's a it's it's an A plus in my book. Deshaun Gibson, our guest, we'll let you go, Deshaun. But before I do, I hope you know that. Your secondary coach, Deshae Townsend, did he did he remind you guys last week that he was one of the guys that picked six Tom Brady back in his day? See, DT left that out. He he, he <laughs> never he never told us that. Which 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 that's a travesty that he did not remind us that he didn't even show us that. He didn't. We knew nothing about it, man. Maybe because it was short week. I'm gonna give him that, man. He had to crunch everything in. Um, but no, nah, he didn't. He didn't tell us that, man. I, that that right there, I think that's something that he should have told us, man. But right. he didn't show us. He didn't tell us, man. That's that. That's terrible, man. That's well, you terrible. look it up. Uh, uh, Halloween night, uh, 2004. You were 14 years old at the time, Sean. So <laughs> you give him a hard time. And you you have as many th- pick sixes as he did. He had three in his career. You got three in yours. So you can pass him soon. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the plan for sure. All right, Deshaun, thank you so much for your time. Good luck on Sunday. I appreciate you guys having me. Deshaun Gibson, outstanding interview right there with the veteran safety of the Chicago Bears. We're going to step away, have another break. We'll hear from Nick Foles coming up next. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Hey, Bears fans, it's important to stay connected now more than ever. And at Motorola, we love making that possible with the new Razor. You can enjoy staying connected a little bit more. It's a phone, it's an accessory, it's an icon reinvented. Hello, Moto. Jeff and Tom on Bears All Access with Rick Camp, our producer. Tom, a lot of of our brethren in the media here in town, writers, broadcasters, mourning the loss uh, tonight of uh, former Chicago Tribune colleague Vaughn McClure. He covered the Bears for many years. I know he did many interviews with you over the time, but he passed away in Atlanta where he's been covering the Falcons since 2013, uh, most recently with ESPN's NFL Nation. So condolences to his family. Oh, 100%. I felt so bad when I heard that because he's a young man that has such a great attitude. He's super friendly, and, you know, I'm glad I had a chance to meet him when I wasn't a player because you could be more friendly with him, and that's the attitude and approach he ever he had with active players or those of us in the media that we had a chance to become friends with him. Well, you can tell the respect of a man when you you go on social media today on Twitter and, and hear all the across the country, the people that uh, he touched and, and worked with over the years, so... Uh, condolences again to Vaughn McClure at the age of 48 passing away in Atlanta. Uh, Let's switch gears because on Sunday the Bears will be in Carolina and you'll catch uh, Bears game day live 
at 10.30 on Fox Chicago. And Lou Canellis, along with Tom and I, host that show every week. And our feature interview this week and our player profile is Bears quarterback Nick Foles. Here's a snippet of that interview. All right, Nick, when was the first moment in your football playing life that you realized uh, that you are equipped to calm the chaos? I'd say the first moment would probably be my junior year of high school. We were down by 13 points with four minutes and 11 seconds to go. I remember the our fans were leaving. Our cheerleaders were crying. We, we came back, and I threw two touchdowns in the final four minutes of the game to win district and go to the playoffs. And I think that was really the first time where when everyone thought it was over, I was able to calm the storm inside of me and keep going with my teammates and ultimately win a game at the last second that everyone thought at that point was over. And that was the first time where, you know, it was never over till it's over. I saw some. Some pages of your autobiography and all the years I've covered football players get stamped by scouts one way or another and it's really hard to lose that label do you feel that you've gotten a fair shake in terms of labels because you do bring it up in the book and it doesn't seem entirely fair all the time one thing I've talked about is I've been labeled a, a lot of things throughout my career I really don't care about what other labels are. Because at the end of the day, I just feel like we as people are becoming so judgmental of everybody that we're not taking a look in our look at ourselves in the mirror and saying like, listen, I need to look at myself first and see where my flaws are as a human being before I start judging and labeling all these other people. So I say that respectfully to say, and I'm gonna go back to scripture, Galatians 1.10, talks about, you know, not living to please people, but living to glorify God. And that's something with labels is I'm not living to please anyone. I'm living to glorify God through that. And with that, I'll be loving and respectful and kind to people. But it's not for their sake. It's for his glory. That's something where in this game, you're constantly judged by every single throw as a quarterback. Like, I feel it. Like, I, I missed a throw in the previous game that I airmailed sprinting out to the right. A throw that I had thrown in that stadium actually to beat the Bears back in 2018. Same throw, sidearm. And I remember I threw it and was like, oh my gosh, but you can feel like every single play you're going to be, that's part of it, but you can't let it destroy you as a human being. You have to say, listen, I, I, I know what's important and I'm going to play the next play and I'm going to be there for my teammates. I don't care if I'm labeled as a backup or a starter as a third string. Like I just want to be myself and I want to go into that facility. I want to enjoy what I do and I want to impact the men and women that work at the facility in a positive way. If you would indulge me in the football accomplishment category for just a moment because you have done some incredible things winning the Super Bowl aside that's a team thing but the man who finishes the job at the quarterback position seems to get all of that glory obviously but the 27 touchdown two interception you're tied for best in NFL history 25 straight completion games seven touchdowns in one game as just a sports fan do you ever just glance at it and say this was something I mean I've had some moments here I think I, I don't glance at it often to be honest with you but there are times where I do remember those moments and say you know what like God's allowed me to do some really special things. Can't forget that that's the player I am because there's people that are going to try to tear you down. There's situations that can tear you down adver adversity. And I think it's important not to forget like what you're capable of. So I say for that purpose, not dwelling on it, but making sure I don't forget those moments because those have been really special moments that I did with some really great teammates and coaches. And those are just uh, some of the comments from a very introspective, uh, a man who knows how to who knows how to communicate.
let those things, you know, you can't dwell on those types of comments. A guy wrote an evaluation about me once after the season, and he went through all the pros and cons, and one of the negatives, he said, I'm a very moody person. And I, <laughs> but I never met the guy. I never met him face-to-face. I never shook his hand. So, you know, some of these opinions are formed by, you know, people on the inside telling them things uh, about you, and then they go and they write an article about it. All right, one more segment to go with the Moody Tom Thayer. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Microsoft Surface and CDW. People who get it learn more at CDW.com. I think that was my scouting report, not yours. They got it mixed up. <laughs> Let's take a break on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 11.05 on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Tom, we got 30 seconds. What wins for the Bears on Sunday in Carolina? you got to be able to match Carolina equally. Offense, defense, uh, special teams, you got to probably surpass them a little bit. But if you allow these guys to – grow confidence in one area, hey, it's, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be a high of 67 degrees. So I think that the Bears team will be able to go in and stay fresh, and it won't be just unapproachably hot. All right, Tom, we're out of time. Thank you so much for Tom Thayer and our guest tonight, Deshaun Gibson, Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, and our producer, Rick Camp, along with Dan Brilli and Jordan Treadup. I'm Jeff Joniak. We'll talk to you on the radio on WBBM Sunday, 9 a.m. pregame with Ron, Jim, and Jay. The kickoff at noon on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM. This has been Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.